0: Derek Carpenter, one of the pastors here, and as you see, I'm not here. Uh, we got COVID in the house, and so we thought this would be safer for everybody to just record it, and then you get to watch it uh, this way. So that's what we're doing. Uh, it's now 2022. It's a great year. We are super excited about what God did last year. We're really looking forward to what God will do this year. You know, just a couple things. Uh, last year, we had 33 baptisms. You know, As a church, we've never had that kind of baptisms before. Uh, And that's not to pat us on the back as a church, but that's just to say God has been gracious. God is doing something. We are excited about that. These people getting baptized, I mean, it's a lot of you sitting right here right now, um, are not only professing your faith, but getting in relationships and getting into groups and experiencing growth, and that is just so exciting. Um, In addition, we ended the year about $100,000 over budget. So the money coming in, uh, compared to what we plan to go out, $100,000 over budget, that's huge. You know, One of the things we say a lot around here is that God's work, done God's way, never lacks God's provision, which means if God gave us more money than we planned for, we need to be good stewards with what God wants to do. And we have some ideas, and we're praying about what God would do, um, but we're looking at planting uh, a church or, or a campus this year. We're also looking at possibly hiring a family pastor, to better minister to the families we have while also trying to reach new families in our community. So uh, be in prayer about how we can be good stewards with not only our financial resources but with our people resources which is you. Uh, God is moving here in a really unique way and so what does God wanna do with, with you uh, during 2022. Now, we're going to be getting into Romans, so grab your Bible. We're going to continue in Romans. Last week, Dave Class did a great job looking at, at the beginning of Romans uh, 6, and I'm going to be picking up after that, but I really enjoyed what he was saying about um, you know, our new identity, the representative we had in Adam. Now we are in Christ, if we are justified by faith, which is the, the theme of the book so far. So turn to Romans 6, and we're going to get into that pretty soon so some years ago, we as a family decided to build a house. Um, and it was a great opportunity, but as we were building, uh, we lived in an RV. Uh, there was five of us with a bunch of animals. So we lived in an RV. We built a chain link fence around to keep the coyotes out, uh, and we, we called it Shantytown. Callie loved it. It was great doing laundry there. Um, and then we had two sheds that we built, one to house some animals and the other one to house Lydia. Lydia was our oldest daughter, and she lived in this shed uh, with several animals—cats, a dog, some other little creepy crawly creatures. Uh, but that's where she lived, and she lived there for six months. Did a great job, you know. Kind of weird. Uh, the heater was a little propane heater we strung in from outside, and uh, blanket only caught on fire one time through the whole six months. But that's where she lived during that time. So we finished that. We built the house. We moved in. It was great, right? We we moved into this house that we built. We got to help design it. It was what we wanted. And in that house, Lydia had a room, a room that we built just for her. And and in that house, there was heat. Uh, There was even AC because we've never had AC before. So for us, that was a big deal. Well, we moved into the house in October or so. And then when it started getting warm spring summer, Lydia moved out of the house back into the shed, which was kind of weird but for her, it was it was fun. It was comfortable. But she was now back in the shed on a cot rather than a bed, um, with the horse tack, and it, it just was a little bit off. But for her, that was that was fun. You know, she looked forward to that, and that was exciting. But in some ways, I think our spiritual life is similar. That before we know Christ, we are living in in shantytown. Right Before Christ, we are in Adam, as David described last week. We are in Adam, and we are indwelt by sin, and all we know is sin, and and that's the life that we have. But then we're saved, and so we're moved from in Adam to in Christ. We're saved, we're given a new life, and now we have the possibility of the abundant life. We talk about that all the time. Uh, That's over here on the wall. Our mission is to connect people to the abundant life, only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. But now that we can live this abundant life, sometimes we step back into our old self. We start living like we used to in Adam, or to use the analogy, we step back into shantytown, which doesn't make any sense. Now here in in Romans 6, this is what we're going to look at a little bit. And the question that's going to come up is this. Because of what we saw last week, that grace is stronger than sin, then should we continue to sin? Because if God has forgiven all our sin, let's just keep sinning. So look at Romans 6. We're actually going to look at Romans 5.20 <clears throat> to get the context. So Romans 5.20, he says, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Which is great, right? So, so law <clears throat> really highlights sin. And when the law says, don't do this, we want to do that more, and so sin increased, But God's grace is stronger than sin, and so God's grace covers all of that sin, and we can be forgiven. And the logical, for some people, response to that is, well, then why stop sinning? Let's just sin all the more so that grace may increase, and that's the question. And now he's going to answer that. He's going to address that. uh, Chapter 6, verse 1. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? So, So there's the question. And you think, it's a silly question, but I I see this all the time through my Christian life, of people going, well, I'll do this sin, no big deal, I'm forgiven anyway. And I'll be honest, I've done that in my life too. A temptation pops up, I'm like, I really shouldn't do that, I should do God's way, but I'm forgiven. And so we have a tendency, we can get in that pattern of I'm forgiven, so I'm just going to go this way anyway. So there's the question. This is in your notes. If God's grace is stronger than sin, then doesn't matter whether I sin or not. doesn't matter whether I sin or not. And the answer is, verse 2. He says, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? There's the answer. May it never be. We're forgiven no matter what, right? God's grace is stronger than sin. We are saved. So should we keep, keep sinning? No way, and that is a pretty strong emphatic right there. No way, we should not continue in sin. Why not? Because in verse two, it says we have died to sin. So we're gonna be looking at some, some really important things about who we are in our identity in Christ, looking at this, and it has real practical applications. But for us, it should be unthinkable for the Jesus follower to willingly live in sin. You see that? It should be unthinkable. So if you, like I have in my life, and maybe others struggle with this, "Ah, sin is no big deal. Right here we're seeing sin is a big deal. And it should be unthinkable for us to just willingly go into sin. Why? Why are we now dead to sin? Let's look at verse 3. It says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Jesus Christ raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. What's the topic here? Baptism. That's kind of interesting. He's talking about baptism. That in baptism, if you've been part of Common Ground this year, you've seen lots of baptisms, which is great. And it's these verses we quote when we baptize somebody. And here, it looks like Paul is absolutely referring to water baptism. Not baptism of the Spirit, which happens at conversion or something else, but, but water baptism, which is part of conversion. Now, let's be really clear. Baptism doesn't save you, but baptism is part of conversion. You never see anywhere in scripture where somebody is saved and then, nah, I'm not going to get baptized. It's just part of the deal. And in baptism, there is something unique with with God involved of showing what he has done in our lives, that we have died with Christ and then buried with Christ. That's why we dunk. Uh, That's the way the early church did it. We, We buried with Christ and then raised to walk in newness of life. This is symbolic, but it's more than symbolic. It's real. We are truly united to Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. Now, remember, Jesus' death, when he died, it was for forgiveness of sins for all men from all time, right? So that's you. All of your sins are forgiven because Jesus died. But then Jesus rose from the dead, right, knew. He got a new glorified body at that moment, which we will later. And that raising from the dead is God saying your sacrifice is accepted, We're done. That's good. And now, he's living a new life to God. We are united in that resurrection also, that we can now live a new life to God, not one wrapped up in sin. So that's what it means to be dead to sin. This is in your notes. The Jesus follower does not continue in sin because they are united to Jesus' resurrected life. And this fact is represented in baptism. We are united to his resurrected life. Now, spiritually, that's what we're talking about now. Someday, physically, we will also have a glorified body. And then things will get really perfect. That's going to be great. But even now, there's a power of sin that has been broken because of this. If you look here, this is present tense. Uh, Verse 5. No, sorry, verse 4. Right, It says, we too might walk in newness of life. That is a present tense right now. That we have been saved, not just for justification, right, not just to go to heaven, but to walk in a new way of living, to walk differently than we used to. Again, this is the abundant life that we talk about. Not one enslaved and ch- chained to sin, right, where we give into all our fleshly passions, but one of freedom, of joy, of peace, of hope, all of that found and empowered in Jesus Christ. So why do we walk different? Because we've been converted, right? We don't talk that way a lot. We don't use the word converted a lot, but we are converted. We're not just sinners saved by grace, right? But we are are changed. We're something different in Christ. We're new. Look at verse six and seven with me. It says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Can I be a pastor real quick? This is the stuff that excites me. This is the stuff that energizes me. This is why I do this. Not so we can build a big church. Uh, not so we can get special numbers of, of baptisms, even that, or any of that. Rather, my passion is that we, me include, that we learn to enjoy the life God has for us now and into eternity to glorify him. Not just do religion. Uh, Jesus was not all that religious. I, I'm not a big fan of religion, but I am a big fan of us learning to walk in Christ. And then we experience, again, this abundant life. It's so exciting. But this past year, I have loved seeing those baptized, not just baptized, but then share how God is changing them. And sometimes getting emotional about how they feel differently, they love differently, they want to glorify God differently. That is God doing something in that person. 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Do you realize that? If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. That's what we're looking at. Now, I want to get a little bit metaphysical um, so that we can understand this because he's talking about this old self, new self. And there's several uh, uh, camps of thought through the, the years that have come on this of, okay, we have two different natures a sin nature and a spiritual nature, right? Uh, Our spirit is good uh, because God dwells in it and it's perfected, but our our soul is still fallen and sinful. The problem is the Bible doesn't really show all these different parts. It kind of shows us more of a one person, right? A one unity. And so we do have the Holy Spirit in us and we do also have the ability to sin as well because some will claim if we're saved, then we will never sin again, right? We're saved, there there is no battle with sin. In fact, you think, well, who would ever say that? I got an email in the past year of someone when we were teaching on this, saying the Christian should no longer battle with sin. Well, the problem is we look at this and chapters and verses we're gonna look at over the next few weeks. The, The sin battle is a very, very real thing. But we are new, and God has raised us to walk in newness of life so that we can experience the new life. We can experience victory over sin, although the battle is real. I think what it talks about, this old self, new self, this is really going back to what uh, Dave taught last week. Our old self is the one in Adam. And because we're in flesh, the old Adam still exists. But with the Spirit, the Spirit now moves in, The Spirit can have complete control over our old self. So are we in Adam or in Christ? We are in Christ, but we can walk as if we are still in Adam. Until we receive our new bodies, we still can sin as if we are in Adam. That's just a fact. Now, again, I look forward to next week. We're going to look at the battle, the the wrestle. If you've ever wrestled with it like the rest of us, that's next week. We're going to look at that. But this is just a, a fact that we can walk the way we used to. Verse six, though, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. That brought to nothing, that's tough. But the body of sin, that's this body where sin still dwells, is brought to nothing, meaning the power no longer can enslave us. That's what we're seeing. The sin that used to enslave us before we were saved can still, but the power isn't there right? Only if we give it the power. The power is in the Holy Spirit. We don't have to be enslaved to sin anymore. In Christ, we are set free from the penalty of sin, right? Eternal death and hell. The power of sin, but not yet the full presence of sin. Do you get that? The power of sin is broken. We can walk in victory as we learn to walk in the Spirit or abide But the presence is always there, meaning we will be tempted until our dying day. So if you're hoping for that secret sauce, that whatever, that temptation will be gone, it's not going to happen in this life. But as you learn to walk in the Spirit, as you learn to abide in Christ, those temptations really do get less. And we really can enjoy this life. So three theological terms that we need to understand because we're going to talk about them a lot for the next three weeks. Justification. Here's the first one, justification. This is the fact that we are made right with God by faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross. That's justification. And so far, Romans, the theme has been justified by faith. Meaning, if we have faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, we are justified, made right with God, legal. It's a done act. Jesus did all of that, right? Our only thing in there is saying thank you and receiving it. Now, the second one is sanctification. Sanctification is the process by which the Jesus follower is changed to be more like Jesus. Sanctification is the the one where we cooperate with God, right? And it is a process. And people go through the process differently. Some surrender more fully to God and go through the process quicker. Some of us struggle more with that and go through it slower. But it is a process by which we become more like Jesus. And then the third one is glorification, Glorification, this is our final state as human Jesus followers where we receive a sinless body similar to Jesus' risen body, right? This is future. So this is when our sanctification is completed, when we get a new body. This is when Jesus returns at the end of time and we look forward to that. That is our hope. Again, this is gonna come up over and over over the next few weeks as we look at these. But these verses we're talking about right here are talking about sanctification, because we're justified by faith, now we can walk in newness of life. In this life, looking forward to glorification later. Again, this is in your notes. You are not just a sinner saved by grace. You are a new creation raised to walk in newness of life. Because grace is stronger than sin, not just to save you, but to empower you to live now. That should be exciting. If you're here and you're saying, man, I have... I still feel enslaved to sin. I have habits, um, whatever it is. Here's the good news for you. The Holy Spirit has the full power to release you from those and can. You will always be tempted by things in this life, but you can be set free. That is the good news. So how do we do this, right? Are there some practical things that we can do to experience this abundant life and this victory over sin? Because he says, should we continue in sin? No way, All right, then how do we do that? Look at verse eight. It says, now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know, I love these verses. When Jesus was on the cross, maybe you remember, he said, it is finished. He died to sin once for all. The victory was won. He doesn't have to win the victory again. He already did it. And so because of that, we can be confident, we can be secure in our eternal salvation. And we must realize these truths are true about us, right? That we have died with Christ, we've been raised with Christ. And so, verse 11, consider yourselves dead to sin. There's the first practical thing we do. So, how can we experience the abundant life in Christ? First one, consider. Uh, that's a weird Greek word there. It's uh, logizomai. Logizomai, I'm not sure how you say it. Uh, it's where we get our word logic. It means to think rightly about something. To reckon. It can be an accounting term. Do the math. And so here, we reckon, right? We, we consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This isn't a hopeful, I wish this were the case. We recognize this is true. So we look at our sinful habits and say, that's not who I am anymore. I have Christ in me. I want to glorify him. That's who I am. And so we think rightly about sin. We think rightly about who we are. Horrible picture, but I think about Pinocchio, right? The, the puppet with the strings pulling. And before we're saved, sin is pulling our strings. Our flesh is pulling our strings. But then you know, the strings are cut, right? Remember, Pinocchio, I got no strings to hold me down. Did it Anyway, um, our strings are cut, and we need to realize they're cut. Rather than stepping back into these patterns where sin is pulling our strings, we look and go, no, they're gone. I am now free in Christ, and I can be controlled by him. So that's the first one. Think rightly about your relationship with sin. You're dead to it. Number one, the first step is to think rightly about your new relationship with sin. Your new identity. But there's more. Look at verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. There's the second step. One, think rightly. And then two, get fired up about it. Hate your sin, right? The Bible often, will. this idea is referred to as the mortification of our flesh, right? We look at our flesh, we look at our desire to sin and we say, I'm done with that. I'm sick of it, rather than going, "Ah, I'm just gonna dabble with it. You know, I'll get as close to the edge as possible and, and hopefully not step over. No, we need to get serious about our sin. So that's number two. Do not allow sin to control and enslave you. Get serious about it. And as we abide in Christ, he will get serious in us. As we grow in our relationship with him, this will grow in us. So that's the second one. Do not let it control you. Do not allow sin to control and enslave you. And now, 13, he gets even more practical. Do not present your members, members is is our body, right? Um, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God, to those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace." What is he saying here? Now we're in Christ. We recognize this is true. Stop presenting yourself to the things you used to present yourself to. Do you struggle with gambling? Well, don't go to the casino, right? Do you struggle with getting drunk? Don't go to the bar, right? Don't bring home the alcohol, whatever it is. The things that used to draw you in, don't go there anymore. Don't present yourself to those. You know, I've known those who said, you know, I want to put myself in tempting situations to make sure I can succeed through them. That's not what he's saying, He's saying remove yourself from those, right? Stop presenting yourself to sin. Are there relationships in your life? Are there certain people that every time you get together, they're just drawing you into sin? Or you know, maybe the relationship itself is ungodly. Step out of that, right? Stop presenting yourself to sin so that you would obey that, right? It's like a present, right? Don't give yourself to something else. Rather, give yourself to God. So, uh, this is number three. Stop putting yourself in situations that lead to sin. Plain and simple. And you know what they are for you. You can pretend like you don't, we all, but you know what they are. Don't put yourself in those positions. But do put yourself in positions where you hear from God and have the best opportunity to grow and be used. That's what he says. Present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. And so not only do we stop going to the places we used to or or where sin tempts us, but we do put ourselves in positive situations. We present ourselves to God, meaning we spend time in our word, right? We let the word, we we spend time in in scripture and we let it change us. We go to church. Are we saved by going to church? No, but there's something about this, the people around us right here, the opportunity to sing and worship, uh, the opportunity to hear God's word. God does something here and so we come here and we're part of this. We join groups. You know, we believe that life change happens best in authentic community around the word. And that comes straight out of the New Testament. All the one and of scripture that we're supposed to do together. And so place yourself in those relationships where you can be known, you can be honest. And, and, and not have your sin go, oh, no big deal. But rather, hey, we love you and let's walk through that together. And so we put ourselves in those positions. And here's the third, I think, position. Put yourself in positions to be used for God. You want to be over your sin? Stop wall- sitting, oh, I wish I didn't sin. Rather, go start serving. Go start getting involved in God's glory, right, in kingdom work, and you'll see your desire to sin goes down because you'll see God's glory even more and you're used for his work. There's a big change that takes place. So put yourself in positions where you hear from God and have the best opportunity to grow and be used. Why? because that's who we are, because we're new in Christ. Grace is stronger than sin, not just to save us, but to help us walk in newness of life. This is really good news. God didn't just save you so you could be a sinner saved by grace. We are that, but he saved you to give you a new life. Again, I I hope if you're here this morning, you don't feel guilt now because of the sin in your life. I hope, rather, you hear this and you go, I am excited to learn maybe how to walk stronger with God and have victory over sin because I'm telling you, that's where the abundant life is. Let's worship together. Let me pray. Father, we love you. I thank you so much that that we're not just uh, saved by grace and then set free to go on our own, but we're saved by grace and then our new life is empowered by your grace. God, it's all grace. It's all up to you. It's not by works. God, we love you. Uh, We thank you. I pray that you would Stir in us, if there's anything we need to do in response to these verses, that we would do that. If it's simply just being grateful and knowing that we're new, let us do that. Let us worship well because of what you have done for us. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen.